Hey everybody, I'm Derek, this is Logan, and we're the Show Guys. Come join us as we put pop culture under the microscope. Hello everyone, welcome new listeners, welcome back returning listeners. Today we are concluding our discussion of shonen anime with one of our mutual favorites, Yu Yu Hakusho. Now, for everybody who isn't aware of Yu Yu Hakusho as a series, not only is it one of the great shonen series of all time by one of the great Japanese author illustrators, Togashi, it also contains some of the best action sequences in anime and manga. Also, what we're going to talk about a little later, it has the greatest tournament story arc in all of manga and anime. And on a more personal note, it was the series that the two of us first found that we had a mutual love for and an enjoyment of. So essentially, for us, it's a very important franchise. So I'm going to start the discussion off, my friend. For those who don't know, the series kind of starts out as a supernatural detective show, but later in the story, fighting tournaments play a much larger part in the bigger narrative. I will note that between the two of us, tournament storylines are the storylines that tend to bore both of us the most. But like I said a minute ago, this series has, in our opinion and the opinions of many other people, the best tournament storyline in all of manga and anime. And that tournament storyline, known as the Dark Tournament, has a main antagonist that has become an icon of fighting manga baddies. That gentleman is the younger Tagoro brother. One thing that the two of us have discussed a lot, what is your favorite element about him as a bad guy? What do you think is so appealing about him, and why is he one of your favorite bad guys in fiction? And I will also note that this episode will contain spoilers for the series, for those of you who haven't watched it. So my friend, what do you enjoy most about Younger Tagoro? Why is he one of your favorite baddies? Oh, man. This is a hard question just because there's so much to unwrap here. He really is one of my favorite villains just because of, one, (laughs) he's just an awesome bad guy in terms of, it's not really a villain. There's no villainous attitude towards him. He doesn't do things because they are bad. He does things because he wants to test his strength, just like any shonen protagonist that we talk about. It's kind of the opposite, the antagonist. He just wants to be the strongest in the world. But the way he does it is his first interaction is with Yusuke during the arc of Yusuke going to the mafia and defeating the beast and kind of beats him where it is revealed that he's no longer, he's not dead when Yusuke beats him. The next episode shows that he gets up and is like, all right, I've completed the job that I was hired to do. And that kind of gets in the villain aspect of it. But one of the things, depending on how we talk about this, one of the main things that I love about him is he's kind of showing us in retrospect our fear Uh, our different fears. One of the major fears of his, and we'll explore this when we get to the dark tournament, is the fear of aging. 
and I feel like that's the most relatable thing is some of us are scared, like scared to age. We're afraid of getting older. And that is one of the things that makes me respect him as a villain, because we can all relate to that idea of getting older and being weak. And you see that with his respect to Yusuke is you see Yusuke getting stronger and he's like, why do you want to throw this away? Whereas Yusuke is like, dude, it's all about being human. And that is just beautiful. Like the dynamic between Taguro and Yusuke is one of my favorite character developments throughout the beginning of the show to the dark tournament arc. But that would be why he's one of my favorite villains in fiction. But there are so many different villains in this story that is so good. And we'll get to that later, but that's my Taguro speech. I think that's, I think that's a really good uh, analysis and discussion of why this series in general is so beloved as it is because Tugashi, one of the best elements of his writing is that he tries to make every character at least a little complex. He tries to go beyond, okay, Yusuke is the good guy. Tugoro is the bad guy. Let's watch them fight out. This is just a hallmark of his work in general is that you actually feel for these characters, particularly the main antagonists. As soon as you start to explore what their backstories are, you really do get a sense of who they are, what they're about. Even if they're just straight ahead evil, like Taguro's older brother, you really do get a sense of, okay, yes, his backstory is being evil, but you can tell that he loves being evil and he's not just some one-note bad guy. I mean, you're absolutely right. Uh, one thing that I'll kind of go on a tangent here, I was mm-hmm. doing some research today just to kind of prepare. Yu Yu Hakusho only has four major arcs or seasons. Uh, you have the Spirit Detective arc, which is his beginning. You have the Dark Tournament. Then you have the Chapter Black Saga. And then you have the Saga of the Maikai Tournament, another tournament. You have two tournament arcs, and we'll get to those later. I just thought that was super interesting. Well, well it's also interesting um, when you talk about it, because kind of when the series starts off, you don't necessarily expect it to be so heavily involved with fighting tournaments in general. Like, you know, we talk about it a lot, how tournaments have almost become a parody of themselves <laughs> in manga and anime because of, you know, how just how many of them there are in so many different series. And so oftentimes they come out feeling the same and looking the same in so many different respects. But at least with the first tournament in the series, Tagashi is able to give us more of a personal stake when Yusuke and the other protagonists actually enter the tournament. Because for them, it is a matter of life and death. It's not just proving that they're the strongest in the world or anything like that. So to actually have just a little bit more of a personal touch to it, that really helps make that particular arc, the Dark Tournament, much more unique in both my opinion and your own. And it just kind of helps cement it as 
for us the definitive tournament saga and i think one of the weaker points that tagashi ends up making is making that last tournament arc you know what i mean because if the dark tournament had been the only tournament in the series then it would just remain just completely untouchable and i think that the series in general would have turned out better that's just my opinion you know and it's funny that you bring that up because i have my notes here and i'm trying to think the thing is you're right if he didn't have that last tournament that freaking and that's the thing is it and we talk about this all the time how yes you you hucka shows are one of our mutual favorites but there is stuff that we can definitely critique the last tournament was kind of I mean, it was good for ending the series with everyone kind of going their own way, whatever. But in the grand scheme of things, it didn't do anything for the actual story. Like, yeah, Yusuke turns into this demon, and he's like the demon lord's son, demon king's son. But in the actual story, it's just kind of, it's just another tournament arc. What makes the Dark Tournament the best tournament arc ever in my opinion is the fact that they're forced to fight like Tagoro came to Yusuke and he was like listen you're being invited to this you don't have a choice if you don't fight we kill your family and <laughs> everything that you love so I think it's because the good guys were forced to accept this invitation rather than seeking it out themselves as you see in other tournament style fights and we just got done talking about dragon ball z last week and i'll kind of as much as we appreciate dragon ball z for what it is the tournament arcs there are it's just goku looking to see who's the next man up for me to beat (laughs) you know it's interesting that you said that and we'll get to that later tournament here in a little bit but yeah i I think one of Uh, The elements that I also like about it is that you get to see these disparate protagonists come together as a team. You know, that's another thing that I enjoy about it. It's not an individually based uh, contest. And so not only do we get to see one character's in particular battle with an opponent, but then we automatically go from one fight that the team is engaged in automatically to the next in the next episode we don't have to wait for any kind of you know introduction of hey why are you fighting in this tournament why are we going against each other in this thing when we could and should be allies we we skip that and we just are able to go from one awesome action episode to the next with a bit of exposition thrown in in between as a sweetener so again, you're not really wasting the audience's time when it comes to this story arc in particular. And that's one of the best things about this series at its best, when it doesn't waste the audience's time and it gets to the terrific, terrific action sequences that Togashi is best known for. Well, it's just like what I said last week, you know, it's only 112 episodes. So it's very succinct, but also to the point, the mm-hmm. pacing's very well done. 
and you brought up the whole we don't have to get used to the introductions there's mm-hmm. already a team there uh mm-hmm. so let's take it back before the dark tournament just to kind of start from the beginning mm-hmm. would you like to so uh and you know going back to the beginning um it's very it's so interesting to look back when the series is starting out because it almost starts out as a sort of bad guy of the week franchise with no sort of big overarching story because when you first start watching it or reading it you just think it's going to be kind of an ongoing series one of those series that doesn't necessarily have an end quote unquote but then very very gradually uh, particularly towards the end of the spirit detective arc you get these little breadcrumbs as an audience member where you suddenly start to realize wow we're actually going to have a bit of a bigger picture going on aren't we and that's really when i know at least for myself when i thought wow this is actually really really cool and it's going to be a connected storyline that's something that my myself as an audience member i did not see coming yeah you're absolutely right like i remember when Yusuke does his whole ordeal to say, what was it? Save Keiko from the fire. Yeah. And that's how his egg hatched. And if it would have hatched naturally, it would have devoured him. Right. <laughs> but you see the selflessness there. That's kind of how, that's what dr- took me in was seeing that Yusuke acts all tough, but really he's very selfless when it's ideal and one thing we talked about is the pacing between uh it's right after that that he gets revived and then he's sent on a mission to defeat three demons those demons being guki goki hiei and karama and what Tagashi does so well is develop a relationship in such a short time like i said this whole Anime is only 112 episodes. So how do you do it that well? Well, he turns enemies into friends, like not even friends, like teammates. But then you start seeing the little signs of respect between the people, if that makes sense. No, no, it does completely. And that's one of the best elements about the whole series in general is that you have these four disparate persons yusuke kuwabara karama and hiei all coming together and they do form a kind of family when you get right down to it i mean they're all kind of outcasts in their own respective ways so by coming together and routinely saving the world they do kind of form this sort of functional dysfunctional family unit and that's really also where a lot of the best humor in the series can come from is from their individual interactions. And that's something else that's kind of underrated about Togashi as an author. Like Toriyama, he can be very good when it comes to the sort of goofy humor Mm -hmm. that some characters will employ without it being overly ridiculous or something like that. Because the funny parts and elements of the series are genuinely funny. You and I can agree on this, that Kuwabara is one of the best comic relief side characters in an anime. No He's question about it. Overly stupid. I mean, his whole goal is to try to beat Yusuke in a fight, and you see that throughout. But it's 
also just the things that he loves like you there's an episode where his kitten gets kidnapped by one of the demons you know what i mean like you see that and you're like this dude's getting in trouble for a cat and it's the it's the way that he is like oh my kitty <laughs> it's so good it is just so good Love like it. usually i can't stand the soul the whole sort of lunkhead with a heart of gold character type but he is definitely an exception and just his interactions with the different characters i mean his teammates particularly his relationship with yusuke as the series keeps going it's just a beautiful beautiful uh thing to unfold and that's kind of going back to the last tournament arc kind of another reason why it's considered the weakest story element of the whole series because for a good chunk of it he's absent from it so we really do end up missing him and his comic relief again to, not to harp keep harping on the last tournament arc but yeah <laughs> well it's just kind of boring really yeah. that's what it is it's just like <laughs> it's the same it's the same thing as the dark tournament without comic relief so you're kind of like nothing's really new and, and i feel that it wouldn't necessarily be as bad or poorly remembered if it wasn't in the shadow of the dark mm -hmm. tournament as well you know so yeah what you gonna do and it's and again it's yeah and again it's not like Tugashi can't write a tournament saga the last tournament in the series that one we've been harping on it's still better than a lot of other tournaments out there <laughs> well and it's just like to put it in a more relative way to do it mm -hmm. it would be like if game of thrones came out and mm -hmm. then you released lord of the rings <laughs> Like, it doesn't mean that Lord of the Rings is bad. It's just, how do you follow up Game of Thrones? Yeah. Uh, and we'll talk about that next week, like I said. But to <laughs> put it in more relative terms, Lord of the Rings crawled so Game of Thrones can walk, run. Whatever. I like that a lot. I like that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but enough of that. Back to you. Um, yes. So I was talking about the villains earlier, how there's mm -hmm. so many memorable ones. Yeah. I kind of wanted to just touch on the first part. Mm -hmm. Because I think it'd be better if we broke this down into parts, wouldn't you say, like the different, sure. like the spirit detective? Yeah, of course. So you have the three monsters, which we talked about, mm -hmm. kind of the introductions to the two other protagonists of this team. Yeah. But you really see the teamwork for them start when they go to Maze's Castle. Mm -hmm. And this is one of my favorite arcs besides the Dark Tournament, because the Dark yeah. Tournament is like Dark Tournament. Yeah. But this is my favorite story outside of that. It's 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 really cool. And one of the coolest parts about it is that it's that first interaction among the four protagonists that we get to see. And for the first few episodes of it, we're thinking, no way is this group going to be able to take on these four powerful demons without at least one of them kicking the bucket. There's no way. And then you have the first test as they mm -hmm. walk into the castle as the ceiling drops down and is like, they're yes. all like smushed under this. They're like, oh, hell, what Straight out of Indiana Jones, it seemed like, you it's, know? It's like Indiana Jones as an anime. <laughs> <laughs> but then like he has to make the choice. He's the only one fast enough to go flip the lever to raise the roof. He's the only one fast enough to 
pull the switch. Yeah. And you're for a second there, you're like, this might not happen. Is he because going, is, is he going to do it? Is yeah. he not? And it turns out that he flips the switch, cuts the little flying eyeball bat thing, and you know, saves the group from the crush of the ceiling. Who's your favorite? So I think if I remember right, they're called the four saint beasts. Yes. Do you remember which one's your favorite? I think my favorite, and I am looking them up right now because this is good podcasting. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I think my favorite is probably uh, Siryu, the ice dragon that he fights. That's an awesome battle because it's sort of like, Instead of a battle that's only based on strength, you get to see a speed contest, which mixes things up quite a bit. Because up to this point, you know, it had been more of a test of strength or endurance in a lot of battles. Mm-hmm. So to see Hie go up against Sirio, who as a demon can kind of match his ability to run incredibly fast. I thought that was a really, really, really neat battle to watch. Yeah. And of course, the idea or the key thing here is it's funny, I guess is what I'm trying to say. It's funny that neither one of us chose Yusuke versus Suzaku or <laughs> Kuwabara versus Biako because yeah. my favorite is Jinbu and Kurama. That's a great out of the one. Same boot. Because that you is see a great the, like, one the intellect of Kurama and then you get Mm -hmm. the iconic rose whip. Yes. And he's like, you know, doing that whole thing. Mm -hmm. You see that in action and you're like, this is freaking cool. And then you see the analysis of he's fighting Jinbu. And then you see the glowing rock because (laughs) Jinbu can melt into the stone. Yeah. Like use the stone to move, Mm -hmm. but you see that glowing thing that is Jinbu's brain. Mm-hmm. And Kurama's like, look what I have, stole it and <laughs> crushes it, and then Jimbu blows up. It's <laughs> such a great part. That's such a great part. And that's just a great example of how you can really have a character that incorporates strategy as their main strength in a series based around action. And keep in mind, for a little context for our listeners, this series first came out in the early to mid 90s so we are just kind of getting out of the era of fist of the north star and heavy heavy straightforward action like that so to see a real strategist among our protagonists not only succeed in a battle but make it look effortless is just one of the coolest things well one of the things i'll add to that is the original japanese release of the show was in 1992 okay the english when it showed in america was 2002 so 10 years later it finally made its way over to the united states and it's crazy to me because 2002 is just such a (laughs) far off distant memory right but it's just it's it's timeless because mm-hmm. I can go back and watch it now. Yeah, the animation's a little outdated. <laughs> but it's something that I could rewatch. And even without the animation, I'm like hooked. 
Mm -hmm. Very, very immediate. And this is going to sound kind of weird, but one of my favorite parts about the animation is you can tell that it was still very much hand-drawn and hand-painted cells. And uh, there's just there's just something about that style of animation that you can't really get with computers, you know? And it, it's such a cool, cool style that, uh, you know, which makes me sad that it's no longer in vogue. And I understand, you know, technology evolves and we do need to find quicker, easier, more efficient ways of animating this stuff. But at the same time, there's just something about good old hand-drawn animation. And I know we'll talk about hand-drawn animation and stuff like that more when we get to some of our favorite older cartoons in general. But it's just something that I wanted to touch on early as well, because, you know, we, we lost it. And when we lost it, um, you know, really, really important part is pretty much no longer with us. You're absolutely right. Absolutely right. So Suzaku, mm-hmm. like I said, the villains, and we'll get to each part, the memorable villains, mm-hmm. quote unquote, if you call them <laughs> villains. Right. Uh, Suzaku, you know, has the flu, mm-hmm. monsters, whatever. Yeah. His English voice actor, mm-hmm. and some of our listeners might appreciate this little tidbit of knowledge. <laughs> Suzaku's voice actor, the English mm-hmm. voice actor, is the same voice actor who acts Principal Nezu from My Hero Academia, the little mouse principal. <laughs> that is awesome. I did not know that. Yeah. That is, that honestly, that kind of makes sense now. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> he has a very distinctive voice. And yeah. he does a if good you, job in both roles. Yeah, if you go back and watch Suzaku, and then you watch My Hero, <laughs> you're like, where have I heard that? I remember oh, the first time watching terrific. My Hero, and I'm like... Mm-hmm. I know where that, you know, I did the whole, I know where that Mm -hmm. voice is from. Right. And it was just like making me angry. (laughs) And then all of a sudden it like clicked and I was like, Suzaku. (laughs) That is so awesome. That's where we're at. Anyway. Love it. Love it. Love it. That is so cool. That is so cool. Okay. We've talked a pretty good length about Tugoro and the dark tournament as well. Like we said, he's an icon one of the greatest villains in action series in general. But now we're going to transition a little bit to my favorite villain in this franchise of Yu Yu Hakusho, and that is Mr. Sensui. Go ahead. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> Enlighten us on Sensui. <laughs> <laughs> so for, for our unfamiliar listeners, Sensui was a quote-unquote good guy until something really traumatic happened and it essentially fractured his mind. Since we kind of like Chiguro, he kind of serves as an example of how trying to quote-unquote protect people or avenge them can have serious psychological effects on the person who's trying to do the protecting or avenging. Put it this way, if Tagashi had ended up setting the franchise a few years earlier, we'd be talking about Sensui as the protagonist of the story rather than as the main antagonist of the third story arc. And what happens is that, essentially, his psyche splits into seven different personalities. Now, we don't end up seeing all those personalities, but we know that they're there in the background. And this, to me, 
just gives his character almost a tragic air where to a certain degree you kind of feel sorry for him but at the same time you're terrified of how powerful he is what was the reason sorry i don't mean to interrupt no you're fine well i do mean to interrupt but i want (laughs) to ask this what was the reason of his downfall so he starts out as a spirit detective much like yusuke who winds up being his successor but then one day he sees a group of humans who he's ostensibly supposed to be protecting torturing the very demons that he had been fighting against for years and years and years and so this basically causes a major psychological break in him and that to me uh is just another major element of why Tagashi is such a brilliant writer when it comes to this kind of stuff he does it understated but at the same time he does try to cover the topic of mental illness within an action series you look at sensui multiple personality mind fractured look at Jogoro. intense fear of aging and growing old there are minor details within the grand scheme of things but at the same time he's saying to the audience look these characters are the bad guys but they also have psychological issues that are legitimate and are helping to drive them forward. You can really kind of consider both of them, Toguro and Sensui, as examples of that Dark Knight quote, you either die a hero or live long enough to see yourself become the villain. I think that is one of the biggest reasons of why this series, like you said, is timeless because of how subtle and nuanced these character flaws and traits in the antagonists are. Yeah, that's well said. I mean, just the fact that Tagashi was writing about that stuff and it's still relevant today, because today we're, I feel like we are now at the peak of normalizing mental health. We're now starting to have the easier conversations or the conversations aren't really easier. It's just more accessible to have those conversations and not be judged about it is yes. being able to say my mental health is not at the best that it could be. And that is okay. You know, because everybody's dealing with something. So now you're starting to normalize it. The fact that he was doing it in the nineties is such a progressive move for someone like that. It just, it's, it's awesome. It's awesome. <laughs> it's it's it, very awesome. I didn't, I haven't watched the Sensui arc in a while. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Isn't there something about a tape? Like, isn't it's, there a videotape? It's a videotape of essentially of humans committing acts of torture against demons. So that plays a significant part in it since we has a copy of it and he watches it continually before mm-hmm. setting his ultimate plan in motion. So it's, it's very unusual. He's, he's essentially watching the same thing that broke him as sort of this other element that kind of keeps his drive going. It's very eerie 
honestly, because it, it will show occasionally, it'll show uh, him watching the tape again, just kind of lounging casually on the couch. So it's very, very eerie when you do watch it. Of course, they don't yeah. actually show any of the tape either in the show or to my knowledge in the manga, but yeah. No, I think, I think you're right. I think they do it through exposition mm-hmm. of how he became what he is. Mm-hmm. One, you know, and that's what I'm criticizing right now is mm-hmm. I love this arc. You're absolutely right on all of your accounts of why this is a good battle or why he's a good antagonist. Mm-hmm. But the very beginning of this was very, very not pointless, but underdeveloped because the first half until you're introduced to Sensui, you have the like psychic ability mm-hmm. little test that Ginkai kind of puts yeah and those could have been done better I I feel that Mm -hmm. because you almost run out of the whole why Mm -hmm. because when they go and try to find Sensui Mm -hmm. you know the gang they have one test and that was the video game yeah thing right (laughs) but that's it you know that Mm -hmm. was that was it Mm -hmm. so like the whole arena or area of effect like there was one where you had to say a certain word at the sentence end mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, yeah no i agree i would have preferred and i think this is kind of one of the rare instances where the series does kind of drag in general i think it would have been just a little bit better if our gang had been told hey here's a former spirit detective he's got seven psychic henchmen that are really dangerous they're planning on doing this to the world. Here are a few psychic allies for you. Go get them. And you could have done that in like one episode or one chapter, I feel like. Yeah, um, yeah no, I, I agree with you there. But I will say that it has the redeeming factor of what's probably my personal favorite battle in the entire series, which is Karama facing against the Elder Tagoro brother. And eventually trapping him on that parasitic tree for eternity. I love that battle because, like you said, it shows the brilliance of Kurama as a strategic combatant. And it shows how, even at this point in time, he's in a rather weakened state. He's still able to take down an opponent who is immortal and psychic and could have potentially absorbed him and his spirit abilities. So I love, love, love that fight. I remember watching that for the first time and it just, it was so good. Yeah. You know, we talk about this and we'll talk about this a lot later. Do you know what that reminds me of? What? Diavolo. So the connection is there. I'm not going to go too far into that. You knew what I meant. (laughs) Yeah. It'll just give something for our listeners to go, oh, what is he talking about? (laughs) <laughs> but that's what it reminded me of like I, mm-hmm. i'm kind of thinking about that and i'm like oh my gosh that kind of reminds me of when we get to jojo <laughs> to be continued on that note <laughs> sorry no, you're fine. but no i i love that fight so much it's such a great battle yeah so i guess us talking about this whole franchise in general i think kind of leads to another question 
can we really say there is one definitive quote unquote hero of the story? And I think that's just another great element that the series brings is that, okay, yes, Yusuke is the main character, but at the same time, we're able to get episodes that focus on our supporting players as well. And we get to see them fleshed out. You don't see that very often in an action oriented franchise, especially one, like I was saying, that was just coming off the 80s, where it's Fist of the North Star era, where you focus almost entirely on the main character and not necessarily the supporting players. So I thought going over the show again and the series in general, I'm, I was reminded of some of the different character moments where we do see development with our supporting cast. And it's just, it's just great. Really, really good. Yeah, I would a hundred percent agree just because there are some episodes where you don't even the dart tournament, the first third of it, use case asleep. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. at the beginning of that, he's asleep because of his training with Ginkai. So you have these side characters that act as the main characters. And that's one thing Togashi does so well is making the side characters, you could easily take Yusuke out and make the story about Kurama finding his way uh, throughout his split human demon form. Or you could take Hiei and his journey back to the spirit world or not spirit world the demon world realm yeah realm the demon realm thank you mm -hmm. or you but he even, does it so if, well sorry yeah, and, and i'll and I'll, uh, I'll add on you can even talk about kuwabara near the end studying hard for his university entrance exams and trying to find a balance between okay am i going to protect the earth from demons or am i going to try and study so i can find an actual job later on as an adult right to kind of go on another tangent that I just noticed, you know, something that's done really well in the show is some of the quote unquote bad guys are turned almost into allies or the comic characters. So a couple that I'll note is there's two that come to mind that are just at the top of my head. It's Jin, the Windmaster, you know, the Irish little yes. flying dude. <laughs> and then Chu. The one where Yusuke has that knife edge death match. Right, right, right. Those two characters, you know, Yusuke fights and ultimately beats, but because they don't die, they kind of become respected or they kind of come to respect Yusuke to where it's a lot better. And one thing also that's cool is that after the tournament, they're basically off canvas for a long, long, long period of time. Then later on near the end, they come back as supporting players and you do remember them. You're not like, okay, who are these randos who uh, our protagonists fought against in the tournament or whatever. You do remember them because they have become friends with our main characters. And we talked about the comic. One of my favorite <laughs> one of my favorite little i don't know what you would call it like tidbits mm -hmm. is kuwabara's love for hiei's sister <laughs> and one of my favorite moments in the dark tournament is when kuwabara is fighting um suzuka the yeah. clown yeah and the clown like transports him back to the old arena right 
and Botan and them are like, what are you doing here? <laughs> and, but he's so enthralled with... I remember that. Is it Yukina? Yeah. Th- that's the Hiei's yeah. sister. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh my god, I love you. I'm looking at strong, like, look how strong I am. <laughs> you know, it's it's stuff like that that you said earlier. The funny moments are funny. Mm-hmm. You're like, this dude just got embarrassed in the arena. <laughs> but all he can think about now is oh i can love looking like, good in front of his girl yeah Qu- his quote unquote his girl <laughs> that he would have been decapitated if anything were to happen. <laughs> oh man great stuff in general great stuff yeah. so sorry for that tangent it just that's what that's that reminded fine. me of that's fine but i mean yu yu hakusho wonderful 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 franchise all around if you were to get started on a series that revolves around action fantasy and the supernatural you'd be hard-pressed to find a better introductory franchise than this you know it's funny before college i hadn't watched yu yu Hakusho in a while it's been Mm -hmm. years just because there was no accessible way to watch stuff like that right well my buddy my roommate at the time, mm-hmm. before we would like go to bed, yeah, we'd watch two or three episodes. Nice every night, you know, and that <laughs> became like a ritual. And it was like, oh yeah, I forgot about this, and it was right. just became such a nostalgic thing. Which I think grants it to one of the best shows is because you feel nostalgic watching it, but even if you didn't, you still appreciate it for what it is, and it's still good. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it doesn't matter whenever you're watching it, if you're watching it for the first time or the hundredth time, you are going to get something out of it. If you're watching it or reading it, you will get something out of it. You can, I can almost guarantee that. Yeah. I have students who are like, I want to get into anime. What should I start with? And this is one (laughs) of the first ones that I show them. I'm like, this is a very short, not very short. It's a shorter one. Not a lot of filler, typical good versus bad type of thing but it's so well written and they're like, okay, they'll come back a couple weeks after. And they're like, that was amazing. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Nice. That's awesome. This was fun. (laughs) This, this is good. I just good stuff. Good Good stuff stuff. in general, good stuff in general. And like we said, we hope that if you haven't watched it, search it out. You know, I mean, it's, it's gotta be, there has to be, some way to watch it somewhere mm-hmm. search it out if you get a chance and if you just if you need to scratch that action itch in any way you will enjoy this series we can guarantee it yeah this is by far one of the most classic iconic animes i mean i think this is my first anime that i've ever watched this one of yeah, this and Cowboy Bebop were the two that <laughs> I watched, and I watched this religiously. Yep. You know, this was one of those that I never, it never escaped my mind. Like, oh yeah, mm-hmm. that that show exists. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, if you're a listener of ours and you've never heard of it, and you're like, man, I really want to get into anime. How do I go about doing that? Watch this show. This show is one of the ones that it'll start, and you'll sit there and go, wow. You'll finish it and you will feel like you did not waste any time. Yes, indeed. So in conclusion, this has been one of the best shown in anime, in our opinion. 
without it, we probably wouldn't have the love for anime that we have now and probably set up shows for the future. We hope you have enjoyed our conversation. We've hope you've taken something out of it. If not, at least you've enjoyed it. And we hope to see you next time on the show, guys. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Show Guys podcast. You can find us on Spotify and where other podcasts are available. You can also follow us on social media at facebook.com slash showguys21 and instagram.com slash showguys21. The show's theme music is composed by DJ Mead. You can find his latest album, Mad World Reimagined, on Spotify and iTunes. Follow him on Facebook at DJ Mead Music 777. Thank you again for listening. Have a terrific day.